You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. Hey, what's going on, rookies? Welcome to episode 37 of the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson, and as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Also brought to you by Trinity Bretons, home of the Epignol Breton. All Trinity dogs are from champion bloodlines that are field tested and family approved. For 32 years, Trinity Bretons has worked to offer you the best bred Epignol Bretons in the country. Also brought to you by our newest sponsor, Anook Shook Professional Dog Food. Anook Shook's dense formulations ensure that your pup in training and your seasoned bird dog get what they need to succeed in the field. Anook Shook works hard so your dogs can work harder. Check them out at anookshookpro.com. Also brought to you by Pointer Traditions, making the finest dog collars, bird straps, leashes, you name it, on the market today. Both my dogs are rocking custom-sized Pointer Traditions collars, and I cannot say enough about these collars. You gotta check them out for yourself. Use my promo code ROOKIE15 to save 15% off your order today at PointerTraditions.com. And lastly, Gunner Kennels. I've personally used and tested every major kennel brand on the market. After months of hands-on experience, Gunner is the only kennel I'll use for my favorite bird dogs. Man's best friend deserves man's best kennel. Hey, what's going on guys? Here we go. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, I hope you are uh, turning to uh, some productive spring training, getting those puppies uh, out there, getting them on some puppy walks. If you got a young dog, if you got an older dog, maybe you're you're gearing up for uh, trial season or uh, just maybe you're starting to work on some stuff uh, here in the spring and whatever you're doing, I uh, hope you're having fun doing it, getting out there with your dog, your family, your kids, whatever it might be, and uh, putting some time in. Uh, time we spend with our bird dogs uh, is always going to be better. It's always better. Uh, when you are uh, putting some time in, putting some work in, uh, working on personal goals. Maybe you have a goal of, of getting your dog ready for something or an event or brushing up on retrieving or steadiness or whatever it might be. Um, it's always better when we have a goal to focus on and, and uh, put a plan to and see that unfold. And so whatever you're doing, hope you're uh, having fun doing it and uh, getting after it. So um today i have a fun episode um we are chatting with brian Connolly of anook shook professional dog food uh, i've gotten so many questions about anook shook since i switched over uh, a couple months ago and i've uh, been very excited to, to get brian on the podcast and uh, just chat nutrition uh learn more about Corey nutrition and the company behind anook shook um talk just about the formulas and the uh 
we get into the into the details, get into the weeds a little bit, um, just hearing more about uh, what makes Nook Shook uh, different, what makes it um, different than the other big brands out there, and uh, you know how can dogs benefit from this. And so we get into things like uh, corn. I know corn can be a kind of a <laughs> controversial topic. We get into the corn uh, category a little bit and a whole bunch of other stuff. And uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this. Whether you're on a Nook Shook or not, I think you will find this uh, this episode uh, helpful in some way, learning more about nutrition and uh, how, uh, how that fuels our dogs for the field. So um, one thing I wanted to get into uh, before we jump into the interview, um, I was talking with uh, a buddy online this week and he was asking about puppy socialization and uh, I think it's a, a topic that gets... Uh, is underestimated, I think, a little bit. Um, I don't hear a ton of people talk about it, uh, but I think it's, um, I know it's a super important topic. I think we can get so used to and comfortable with uh, thinking bird dog, bird dog, bird dog, and that's all we need to focus on from day one, which I don't think is a bad thing either. Uh, everything comes in, in due time with when the puppy's ready and, and all that stuff. Um, but social socialization, if I can talk correctly, um, I think is a huge key to uh, just how those pups are going to be citizens around your house and out in the world and how they're going to react to things. Um, and so I was kind of thinking through uh, a couple thoughts of um, it's some of the basic things. Uh, I think I think socializing them to um, a couple of things are going to be noise, uh, new environments, kennels, cars, um, people. Uh, now, this is a range like kids getting them used to kids and comfortable around kids and gentle uh adults older people uh everyone in between men women there's a lot of different aspects you have to think through um it's not just oh i've seen a socialize them to home depot and i'll just take them to home depot and walk them around and they'll get used to people new environments and check it off my list uh after we do it once and we're good no i think it's uh it's daily it's a daily thing when you have a young pup to be able to socialize them well and expose them uh, appropriately and in their time, of course, uh, to new things. And so whether that's the kennel, you know, when I get a, a pup home and I, I, the kennel's inside for the first several months, um, against where we're, we're at, it's one, it's accessible, it's easy for us to get to versus the garage, it's warmer, um, all that stuff. Um, so, so they're getting used to their kennel and I'll feed them in their kennel. Again, socializing them, getting them um, comfortable with uh, their kennel. They learn that that is a comfortable, safe place uh, where they get fed and it's quiet and it's cozy and it's dark and all the good things uh, happen in the kennel. And beyond that, it's, you know, we got a bunch of kids running run around our house and it, that's just part of our daily life. And I'm just going to kind of walk you through um, what I've done with pups uh, and what I will continue to do with pups in the future. But you know, getting them used to our kids, you know, it's not, I'm going to hide the pup from my kids for a week until the pup's comfortable with me. No, from day one, they're going to be held by the kids. They're going to, um, run around and chase the kids and the kids are yelling and the kids are doing their normal thing. Yeah. They're not, I'm telling them not to yell in the, in the puppy's face, but, um, you know, we're going to live our normal life and that puppy's going to learn, you know, again, over time of this is, the volume in our house, this is, it's, it can be loud. Um, but again, if the pup seems scared, then yeah, we're gonna maybe take a step back, try to have have everyone calm down a little bit. But um, we're gonna live our normal life. We're not gonna tiptoe, you know. Oh, the puppy's the puppy's sleeping. Don't wake him up, or you know, it's it's a, it's a dog. It's a puppy, and we have to to live our normal lives as well. Um, 
and then some of the other things those dogs uh so dogs is a big one if you have uh other dogs in the house if you don't have other dogs in the house that may be a different story but for us um you know besides gauge gauges are oh no we had we had another dog named emma we had a golden retriever at the time so we had dogs in the house when we brought gauge home and again we're we're letting them experience it uh together we bring the pup home um i think we kept i'm trying to remember i think we had emma outside when we brought gauge inside our house for the first time and then played with him a little bit got him comfortable and then brought our older dog in and she was old she was gosh 13 at the time and she was ornery and she was just she hated life um so she's we were a little nervous on how she'd react but she was great um sniffed him again they got to get you know be introduced and um and they were best friends um uh, but again we we allowed them time and space let the puppy get comfortable with the house then brought the older dog in um maybe that's not how you're supposed to do it that's how we did it and uh seemed to work out really well even with an older a little bit more ornery <laughs> golden retriever so if you, uh, if you don't have other dogs, again, I think you just need to set that environment up well. Um, be smart about that other dog you're going to introduce your pup to. If that's an aggressive, dominant dog, yeah, be careful. Maybe don't do it right away. Um, you know, if that dog's not living in your house and you don't know that, that dog's temperament really well and all that, um, I'd, I'd be cautious. I'd be wait a little bit. Maybe, again, I'm not saying wait four months. Um, just wait till you know your pup a little more, know the other dog a little bit more and, uh, introduce them, uh, neutral ground can be good, whether it's at, uh, not, not a dog park. I'm saying, you know, a park with just you and your buddy and maybe another dog or something like that. Let those dogs just get to get to know each other a little bit. Um, you don't want that pup to, again, you know, the other dog gets aggressive or something happens where then that dog's like, well, crap, <laughs> other dogs are terrible. They're mean. Um, so just be smart about uh, how you do that. Um, again, cars, like I'm, I'm getting my dogs used to the cars from an early age. Um, I, I don't want them to be nervous of the car. I don't want them to have any bad experiences and it's just kind of a, a normal thing. So, you know, when I have a young dog, uh, once a day or twice a day, sometimes I'd, I'd go out to the truck and, uh, let them play around in the bed of the pickup, uh, play around in the cab and just kind of do their thing. Give them some kibble, uh, maybe feed them in the back of the truck one day. And again, it's positive. It's it's excitement. It's oh, I get fed in here. I get to play. I get to chase a, a rope or something, whatever it might be. Um, you're kind of making like those normal things you're gonna do with your older dog. Like start building it into that puppy's early stage, and that they get to experience and see. Hey, this truck is good. It's it's fun. I don't just hop in the truck when I go to the vet and get shots and get stressed out. No, it's I get to hop in the truck five days a week. And that's kind of a normal thing now. And so it's some of those little things that you might not think about long-term, but like, what are you going to be doing with your dog long-term? Well, start slowly building up to those uh, stages or those events or areas or, or people or dogs to get your pup used to those. Um, you know, dog parks, I, I really do stay away from dog parks um, for the first like year probably of my dog's life. Um and even even after that, even if I take Gage to a dog park now, it's before it's even open or when it's closed. And I just really dislike uh, some other dogs I've seen there. People, it just, yeah, I don't know. We live in Colorado too, so we get some judgy people. Um, but yeah, so dog parks I stay away from, even for injury sake. Uh, you get dogs run around and, you know, 
cutting and turning and all that stuff. And I'm just like, I don't want to risk a leg injury or things like that. Um, but then too, with a, a young pup, you know, you're going to get a pack of dogs that gang up on a young pup and kind of s- sniff and do their thing. And like, who the heck is this young dog? So I, I really don't like dog parks. Um, if you do, I mean, that's, that's fine. That's your jam. But I, I stay away from one for injuries and two, especially with a young dog. Um, it just, it's overwhelming. It's intimidating. Um, I have brought win, I think uh, twice probably to, to a park where there was a couple other dogs there. Um, and I mean, it's turned out fine. She was a little, she was a little younger than after the second time I was like, yeah, this is, this is dumb. <laughs> just take her to an open space, let her run, do her thing with gauge. And that's, that's where it's comfortable. So not that she was, um, yeah, you know, it was just overwhelming. It was overwhelming people, overwhelming for me, all that stuff. So use your own discretion when it comes to uh, dog parks like that. But um, other than that, I mean, if you're going to, I don't know, if you're going to take your dog to a store, yeah, take your dog to a local feed store or a Home Depot, you know, again, make sure the pup's ready, I guess. Um, I, I, I would say don't, I mean, there's a time and place to carry your pup and hold your pup, depending on how big it is. But you let this dog learn and figure things out for itself. You can't you can't be the sole care provider and the sole counselor for this dog i would say so if you're holding this dog everywhere cuddling it everywhere it's gonna think okay well i'm safe and comfortable in my uh in my owner's arms but no you gotta let that dog learn and be bold uh, out in society you gotta let him sniff the shelves sniff where he's going figure out and kind of work through some of those anxiety things um so again there's there's a real fine line i'm not saying toss your dog into a crazy environment let them figure it out (laughs) sink or swim i'm not saying that but uh to some degree like you got to kind of let him work through some of those things you want him to use his intelligence use his brain to to think through oh this is okay this is new environment how am i the dog how am i going to navigate through this and work my way through it and be just fine and so you got to kind of cue in on those things and just make sure they're figuring it out for themselves versus you picking them up cuddling them and, and making sure oh you're safe you're you're good um, so again, fine line, you have to use your own discretion on what that environment is, but, um, yeah, you gotta let your dog be bold, figure things out for themselves. Cause again, you want an independent dog. You don't want a dog that is out there hunting and walking three feet from you because it's nervous. <laughs> so again, use your discretion, but, um, yeah, new people, all that kind of stuff. Again, do it appropriately. Uh, whether it's extended family, yeah, let your dog get used to to people. Let them hold them, play with them, give them give them food, water, whatever it might be. The dog's gonna associate those positive interactions uh, with those people, and it's gonna become a normal normal part of their life, normal part of their daily rhythm. So, um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully that made sense um, for anyone listening. Um, again, I think it's uh, puppy so- socialization can get under. Uh, appreciated or underutilized, I think, or talked about out there. And so I just want to touch on that a little bit and share again, a little bit of my own experience, what I do. I'm sure there's a million other ways to do it. I'm sure there's other deeper processes to work through that, but that's, that's what's worked for me and uh, my wife. So anyways, um, again, hope everyone's doing well. Uh, we're going to jump into the interview here. Um, I have uh, a series of podcasts coming out over the next several weeks that is going to be really fun i'm really excited about uh a guest i have coming up here we broke it into i think we're gonna do a three-part 
actually a three-part series on uh, one guest I have I just recorded. I have some editing to do on it. And so over the next several weeks, um, that's going to come out here. Um, and I'm, I'm really proud of this work, really proud of this episode. And so um, I'm going to keep that under wraps for now, but um, you have something to look forward to, uh, a big old three-part episode uh, coming your way very shortly. So anyways, guys, I uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the episode. Don't forget, rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, please. Leave a rating, rating and review. Um, it is really going to help this, the show grow and get out there to more hunters uh, just like you. Um, also share it with a friend. Share it on your social media if you can. Uh, click that share button in Instagram. Uh, you know, maybe sh- share a couple couple words on what you what you gain from an episode. Um, again, we'd just love to uh, for this to continue to keep growing. So really appreciate your support, your love, all that good stuff. And so thanks, guys. I'm gonna shut up. And no, yeah, go for it. Go for it. So the four small maritime provinces, they don't have an NHL team. So people cheer for what their parents maybe cheered for in Montreal or Toronto, which are the two closest teams. But then some people obviously are Ottawa fans. So they've, they've migrated when that team came or for whatever reason, they, they pick a team that a player, maybe a player from one of those provinces, like, I love the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sidney Crosby was from Nova Scotia. I was living in Nova Scotia. Halifax was a new city. He was the phenom kind of from a Mm -hmm. suburb of that city. So I, you know, you have a bunch of Pittsburgh fans in the Maritimes. You got a lot of French people working there or, or, or families that were French in Quebec and then, you know, moved around and ended up in Nova Scotia. So they're, they're Habs fans or Montreal fans. You got a lot of people who are from the Maritimes and then went out to Toronto to work or whatever, because there's no work here. So they're Toronto fans or their parents were from Ontario. So we're like a a country with no home as far as like NHL is concerned. So so people around you, they're just vote. It's a, it's a a mosh pit. They're just voting for people all over just based on. It's not safe to wear a Jersey anywhere. Well, no, I guess it is because there's always going to be like, okay, if you're going to the bar and you're watching a hockey game, there's going to be, six guys in Toronto jerseys. There's going to be six girls and guys in in Habs jerseys. If they're playing each other, it'll be, it'll be equal divide. If, if any game is on, you know, there's always going to be a hub of people there, but yeah, there's not one central thing. Like it is weird. And, and and we pump out a lot of players per capita and hockey is a really entrenched in our DNA, but because we lack the population density, we lack this. Don't have uh, the pro team. Yeah, we don't got the protein. We don't got the power and so, for it. so you said who's the closest to you then, technically? Uh, I guess it'd be Montreal. Is like eight oh, hours. Montreal. Okay. West of here. Oh wow. Okay. That's yeah, pretty far. Be the, it is. Yeah. No. There. Yeah. That's the thing. It's so. It's 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 weird. It's orphan hockey over here. But uh, I mean, everyone's still got a team. We we figured okay. that problem. And then <laughs> and then what's the uh, so you have the AHL up there or do you have another like sub? We got the OHL, okay. uh, which is the Ontario Farm League. Um, and then there's also like the QMJHA or there's, there's a Quebec, there's a Quebec league as well. And then we'll also play against some American foreign teams and stuff like that. So there is minor league hockey here. And like, there's okay. the St. John sea dogs. Um, there, there, there's local teams in that regard, for sure. The Halifax Mooseheads. Um, oh, yeah. okay. the Memorial cup is like the big championship that all the Canadian minor league teams play for. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, or that might just be an OHL thing. I don't know, but yeah, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of minor hockey here. Okay, there's a lot of farm then, teams. All right, and then, and then, so, so you touched on it a little bit. So you're, so you're a big Penguins guy because of Crosby. It sounds like. There's, well, there's, it was, it was Crosby and Gary Roberts. So I'm from Ontario. Okay. So, you know, all my family, well, my family split because my family's from Quebec. So we're, they're split Habs and Toronto fans, Ooh, but we grew up tough. in Toronto. 
they never that's, get along. That's tough. They'll always drink together, but they'll never get along. <laughs> I want to. I want to be a fly in the wall when they drink together. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, man. And then the French accents too get more and more like uh, discernible to the English ear as the beers flow. That's great. <laughs> Family reunions are fun. But uh, so I was a Toronto fan growing up because I got to meet a bunch of the players and go to Toronto games. But, you know, Toronto doesn't have the best record in the world. And I was really a basketball guy because my brother, my older brother was a hockey guy. So I tried to find my own thing, but you can't escape it. No. But anyways, I started uh, when I went to college and got back into hockey because all my roommates were into hockey. They're all Toronto fans. Gary Roberts was like, uh, you know, the, the assistant captain and my favorite player, this, this awesome, awesome defenseman. And then he went over to Pittsburgh when I moved to Halifax, which is in Nova Scotia, which is where Sidney Crosby is from. Okay. And Sidney Crosby was in his rookie year living with Lemieux in Pittsburgh, this phenom, mm. you know, future of the, of the franchise. And Gary Roberts got traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I had this, I just got swept up in the maritime go Crosby thing. Okay. I had an extra reason because Gary Roberts, my favorite leaf, which was really the only thing I was cheering for at that point on the Leafs because they were in a down spot, got pitched over there. And then Lemieux story, like, and they were living together. I was like, I love sleepovers. Like this is my, my hockey narrative. And then they won a bunch of championships. So it was easy to just, you know, uh, yeah. stay on the, stay on the penguin side of things. So it's uh, you know, again, divisive at the family reunion, but we all, we all have a reason to cheer. <laughs> oh, I love that. No, that was, that was a good time when, uh, you know, Lemieux took Crosby under his wing and, you know, just yeah, that was very get cool. Started and raising this little baby bird to fly. And uh, it was like a hockey novel, man. Like, you know, like, like Mike Tyson didn't take in other boxers like Jordan's like, get out of here. Like he's not taking on a ward, you know, I'm not Batman. Like this doesn't happen very often. So right, right. it was, it was pretty cool. And like where he's from um, Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia, like it's small town, man. We're talking like dipping yeah. your toes in the Atlantic, not much going on. You can get your pizza and your video rentals from the same store, but that's all there is until you go into the city kind of thing. Yeah. So to have him just be, so talented and and such a cool story attached to it. It was a really exciting time to be a, a hockey fan in the uh, in the Maritimes. And the Mooseheads, the the league that he played or the minor league team that he played for, were doing well, and they yeah. they always kind of show up. So yeah, it's, right. it's healthy I'm, out here. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a couple uh, rapid fire hockey questions real quick. Uh, oh, shit, we're talking active players only. Active, we're we're not going way back. Uh, take McKinnon versus uh, Austin Matthews. I mean, probably Matthews, I guess, just because I've heard more of his narrative because again, so many of my friends that that's the story they've been able to cling to, you know what I mean? Okay. okay. Um, but if I'm being honest with you and, uh, you know, thank God for editing, I'm not, I'm not the <laughs> hockey guy. Like I'll have an opinion on things, but like, huh? I'm the same with the Super Bowl. Uh -huh. Give me the story. Give me the download. Let me catch up, drop me in oh, and man. I'll enjoy it. But I don't spend my time. Uh, like I don't like we skate, me and my wife love skating and playing hockey, but we don't watch any sports. Okay. whatsoever. I okay. live on Toronto, like highlights. Um, and we all, and we watch the world juniors around Christmas time <laughs> nice, and that's about nice. it. Okay. But it's, it's just because we can't watch. We just don't know how people find the time to watch stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets endless. It's endless. So who's a bigger deal up, uh, up there? Is it like McDavid or Matthews? Like, who do you hear oh more? yeah. If you, if you ask any kid, anyone under 15, it's, yeah. it's McDavid. Okay. It is. It, it's, it's, it's McDavid. They don't care about who's closest. There's no, with, with kids now with music, with sports, with everything, there's no regionality. Yeah. There's no, like this whole, like I'm from here. I, I vote I, from here. Yeah, I cheer no, from that's, here. It's out the window. It's out the window. It's gone. So it's McDavid. Cause it's the cooler story, right? Yeah. It's the bigger story. It's the, it's the Fortnite kind of thing. You sure. know what I mean? Like, so uh, yeah, definitely. And now if I was at my buddy Nolan's house and I was talking to his kid, it would be Matthew's. Because Nolan, his father, who regionality mattered to, mm. influenced his him heavily because they can also go there and, and be 
part of it. games. But again, here where there isn't a regional team anyway, well, it's just a mosh pit. It's just not exactly. Everyone's <laughs> just thrashing around, man. Fist up. Oh, dude, I love this. We could talk about this all day. Yeah, yeah this we is got, my favorite hockey podcast, actually. Uh, this is great. I mean, I'm going to change directions. I'm going to the. Uh, I'm going to call this the. Uh, I don't know the the hockey rookie podcast or something like that. Well, and I'm honored. I hope to represent the Canucks well. We're going to go <laughs> on mass, not that we're team. I go a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, got, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, this is, man. This is fun. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I just got back. Um, from stick and puck with my, my two boys. And so it's one of his birth, the eight-year-old's birthday and uh, took him and the five-year-old. And it's the first time the five-year-old was on skates with a stick. And so oh, he got, cool. got, got suited day. up. It was a big day and he did freaking awesome. It was good, so man. Yeah. I remember my wife got me three or four Christmases ago. Cause she's an amazing hockey player. Excellent ring up player goalie. She could skate not even circles, the shape she can skate around. They don't have names yet. They're so elaborate, but she got me once for Christmas, a set of my own hockey gloves. Cause again, I was always playing basketball and my brother uh, spent time at the rink, but I always skated and skated a lot. And, you know, I always like, I said, I never had a pair of hockey gloves and they're like the closest thing I get to like Hulk commits. I'm a comic book guy too. I'm like, I love hockey gloves. And she got me a beautiful pair. And then she got me a stick that year. And we live, we lived by a park, like a, like a 700 acre park that had a natural arena that they flooded or a rink, sorry, that they flooded there. And it was, it was awesome, man. So I'm glad that you got to have some stick and puck and ice that's time awesome. with the kids. And, and the awesome. first first stick on ice day, that's a, that's a big day. It was, it was, a, it was a monumental uh, occasion. So it took lots of videos. <laughs> Cool. Winter's no fun if you don't use it, man. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, so are you, any questions before we kind of, kind of jump into the No, official, I mean, I think your, your outline podcast? was pretty good. Um, I think your questions are good. I, I oh, hope cool. my answers will be good. Um, so <laughs> I'm sure just, just I'm let sure. them rip. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm happy cool. to, to talk about a, do- about a nook shook. It's, it's yeah. what they pay me to do. So I'm <laughs> That's here. Great. Yep. Uh, that's great, great man well, well, cool. your, your well, garage looks exactly like my garage growing up by the way too it's kind of oh yeah before is it yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah even even like the red tag over the automatic garage door opener and everything like oh that. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah we, i remember trying to like shoot that with a bb gun oh totally and, totally yeah, yeah my kids try to hit that with a hockey puck <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> like, i'm like stop it you're gonna break a light <laughs> oh cool man well brian uh, first off tell me a little bit about uh about yourself uh put us on a map where you're from and just yeah give us a short version of who is brian sure yeah um so I'm, I'm Brian Connolly. I'm 40 years old this year. I just had my first kid, Linus, 12 weeks ago with my wife, Jenny, oh, who's from Nova Scotia. I'm from re- Toronto. Very recent. Congrats. Thanks, man. It's going good. And I, I work for Corey Nutrition Company, a Nookshook professional dog food. Um, so I'm, I'm, an, uh, they, I'm what they say as I, I come from away. I'm in the Maritimes, but I'm not from the Maritimes. I'm from away. But I've been living out here about a decade on the East Coast of Canada, right above Maine. And... Um, I just fell in love with like, there's so much natural beauty out here. Um, and I started actually just, uh, my career out East selling kayaks and tents and, and being a guide and, and kayaking and just enjoying the outdoors. And I worked for a local shop, which in turn, you know, at a local family owned company, you got to be the manager, you got to be the floor staff, you got to be the buyer. So I, I kind of the marketer. So I, I, got a lot of customer experience and guiding experience and just, you know, customer service was kind of like my professional um, specialty. I took journalism in high school or in college, sorry. So, you know, got good at telling stories and talking to people and interested in, in other people's stories, applied that in the retail world, did pretty well with that. But, you know, 10 years, um, 15 years, actually, I guess it was total of anything it was, is a lot now. So I was looking for a change. And my, uh, my friend, Emily Corey, who's the president of this company, her father, Lee started it. 
they have the, had this product in Nookshook, which was really gaining ground and they wanted to put some juice behind it and form like a, a more comprehensive team, not just sales team and logistics, but actual marketing and graphic design and, and, you know, a whole bunch of other aspects. And they offered me a position here to become a marketer and, you know, through my, my recreation uh, and outdoor life, I got into Caney cross, um, with my dog Ace. So, you know, I was hooking up my mountain bike and hitting single track trails. I'm a big trail runner. He was out on the trails with me. I, I started a trail running group out here called the Fredericton trail runners. So like there was an outdoor community, but I, I was feeding him this product in Nookshook that she was looking for a marketer for. And I was like, Oh man, that dog food's like, that's like all the dog foods that compete in like these, all these racing dogs. That was like kind of the, the limit of my knowledge of like performance dogs at that point, but they were all on a nookshuck and they sponsored the events that we went to with our harness dog club. So I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. I'll look into that. And then, you know, I got, you know, it's a family owned company that's been family owned for 40 years and has been a big boon to the community. And, you know, I was looking for a little bit of a change and a little bit of a challenge and, and certainly approaching customers from within an office rather than a sales floor was completely different. <laughs> But uh, I already believed in the product and the offer was good. So I came aboard with these guys a couple of years ago and uh, we've just been building our flagship brand and Nookshook um, over here at Core Nutrition Company. And it's been going really well. So, you know, I now, you know, I'm talking to hunters every day. I'm out in the woods with them, uh, mushing teams, you know, the people I get to interact with now, all these canine professionals has just been a whole new world of client interaction. And it's been really fun to dive into. Dude, that's awesome. What a way to, what a way to kick things off. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I want, I want to back up a little bit. You said you mentioned canine. Is it a canine cross? Caney cross. Caney, Caney cross. Canine what cross. Canine cross. Caney cross. So that's like a it's it's a tethered harness dog sport. So my dog Ace, he's a German short hair pointer mixed with greyhound. They call them graysters, mm-hmm. and they're this European breed of racing dog because they're nothing but legs, lungs, and energy. Right, mm-hmm. a big GSP. Sure. So um, he's 80 pounds. Anyways, we we were looking for a new dog. Our last dog had passed away, and um, I trail run a lot and. I had a friend who was like, oh, I know these people who do Caney cross and they're looking to retire a dog after the dog's six or seven and can't like be a peak performer anymore from these sled teams. It turned out they retire them. And I was like, what, what is all this? So it turns out that Caney cross is a human, the harness and a bungee and a dog in a harness and you run and it's single track or it's okay. on, like, you don't want to run on the road or gravel. It's usually like in the woods or on like crusher so dust. The dog whatever. is attached to your body. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like you got tether. an engine. So Ace okay. just like, my kilometers per hour, man on the trail just went up. It was so much fun. Like going uphill was like, you have an engine attached to you and then you can, you can put them on your mountain bike. You can put them on a kick sled, which is like a scooter for snow that you stand on. And you can push on. Okay. Or if you have a dog like ACE, you hold on and he just gives her hell on these snowmobile groomed trails and you just zoom through the woods in the wintertime. Wow. So these were all the kind of sports that were now uh, available to us. Cause ACE was like a, a, a retired champion sled dog racer that just, his skills transferred to Caney cross and mountain bike cross and all these kind of things. So tethered harness dog sports Nice. Who, turns out they're pretty popular. There's a, a company in Quebec making harnesses and sleds and everything. Um, a bunch of other Canadian companies selling and making the gear. And there's in the States. Now, if you Google it, there's a race in every state, there's a national club, there's a, there's territorial clubs. So that was just like, that was my end to the performance dog food world um, through Caney cross. That's how Emily, you know, I knew about the food. She's got two border collies that are, you know, super high wired. Then we ran to get, we run together and we run off leash too, but you mean to have a dog pull you when you're on your feet like that. I, I equated to like uh, playing super Mario, you know, the left and we were playing super Mario and the levels, the, 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 <laughs> Thing and it's you have to like keep jumping the side scrollers. Yeah. Yeah. The side scrollers. Right. So trail running with a dog tethered to you is like that. Cause you jump <laughs> and you get pulled in the air. Right. And if you stop yeah. or stumble, 
ACE is going to keep going <laughs> at least for a bit. Right. Yeah. So it, it just added a whole new depth and dimension to trail running. It was super, super fun. And I oh, was able to just kind of, cool. yeah, turn that into a career actually. That just, that's yeah. awesome, man. All right. Well, last question before we go any further, um, as you're talking about like the harnesses and gear and stuff, do you have any recommendations on like harnesses or equipment to attach the tether to your bike? Cause I do yeah. it in the summer and in the, in the spring, I do a lot of conditioning on my bike with my dog. Yep. And I just have like a pretty general cord harness. Gets sucked in the wheel though, doesn't it? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if you have, do you have any recommendations? Absolutely, man. So there, 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 ha- there's these arms that you attach to the downstem of okay. your, or the down tube of your handlebars okay. and that extend out. So you take your harness, your bungee and you clip it and it's up six inches and out about six inches from your front tire, a stiff material. That's it's like a flexi. It's like a semi-rigid plastic. So like two pieces of plastic with a couple screws in them. So it can bend and turn a little bit, but you know, it's rigid enough that, um, it's not, it's going to hold it up and it's not going to drag into your wheel well anymore and get okay. caught oh, in your, in your brilliant. I'll send you uh, there's a couple companies. I'll send you a few links after we're done. That'd this be so awesome. You can see what they're at. It's so much fun having a dog pull you on a mountain bike, man. It's awesome. Oh, I, I love it. it. It's been great. Great conditioning, getting ready yeah. for the fall, but um, knock on wood. I've not had a bad spill yet, but I know, I know the day's coming because of that. Yeah. Day that dang uh, leash is going to get, get sucked up in that wheel. And yeah, I had, I, I did that a few times. I had this park again that I would, uh, there's a loop in and coming down though on crusher dust, there was a couple tight turns. And if you have good brakes and they know, whoa, like make sure your dog knows, whoa, or the equivalent to it. Right. But if you have that in good brakes and you slide it out, it's kind of like, you know, when you're watching someone who knows how to fall on a motorbike, yeah, you can yeah. probably take most of it with the right. handlebars first, maybe yep. your elbow will get caught in a little bit but it's, it's not as bad as you think. Certainly not worth trying to go fast a couple of times because the payoff of going fast is way yeah. worth the risk. Once you realize that I just slide into it, totally. maybe that's not the safest advice to give, but it's yeah. mine, <laughs> but it's yours. <laughs> this, is not, this is not endorsed by a nook shark. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> or my mom. Cool, man. Um, we're going to start real basic here. Uh, explain to us what is, what is the meaning behind a nook shook? Yeah. So the Anukshuk itself, if you look at our logo, there's a, there's a statue of, of stacked rocks. That's an Anukshuk. And in Inuit culture, Anuk culture in Northern Canada, um, our First Nations um, people use those as like way markers. So, you know, they'd be out in the Canadian tundra. They would maybe bury a food cache and stack an Anukshuk on top of it. So people who were coming across the country on sled dog or by foot or whatever, but oftentimes by sled dogs, would know to stop there. It would either point away or oh. give some sort of totem of you're on the right track or even be an actual marker. So, you know, this is a sign of, of hope. It's a, it's a big sign of Canadian iconography. Uh, you know, we're in the process of trying to come to terms and incorporate our First Nations history and our, and our white European history to where we've gotten together. And, you know, like you might've seen the Vancouver Olympics a few years ago, that, that was a totem on all the marketing for yeah. that too. It's, it's just a big part of Canadian iconography, but our, our founder Lee first came up with the idea for making a nookshuk in our 3232 product because a dog sled, um, you know, operator came to us with a problem and, and turns out we were really well suited to solve it. And he was climbing actually in Peru, you know, he was on top of Machu Picchu and he was looking around and there was a nookshooks everywhere. Like, hmm. you know, that's the Canadian story to it, but it's, it's a global hmm. totem. You know, since there's been people, there's been people stacking rocks to kind of say, Hey, we were here in this cool spot. Welcome to here. Yeah. Good for you for making it here. Right. So he was on top of Machu Picchu. We saw these nookshooks and he had already been tinkering with the formula and the solution was already, or the problem was already presented with him about, you know, 
these sled dog teams needed something cheaper and lighter than meat to do their job efficiently over long distances in the modern world. There's got to be a solution. None of the dog foods out there were that solution at that time. So he, he kind of like thought about it, stewed on it and, and Nukshuk was kind of born there, you know, so born in the, in the wilds in North, Northern Canada, and then kind of crystallized and top of South America. So it's kind of a, that's cool. That's cool. Story. Yeah. I love it, man. That's awesome. <laughs> people have been stacking rocks up forever. <laughs> as long as people have been people, man. Yeah. Yeah. They love, they love, they love stacking them up. Yeah. Um, so, so expand on that a little bit more as far as like, kind of what was this problem, you know, that was brought to your founder and like, it, it, did he already kind of have a dog food company in the works or was this someone came to him with a, problem and he created the dog food like what, what was yeah that so no. cory cory nutrition company was actually founded as a commercial uh fish food company so uh we're right by the bay of fundy and and the eastern ocean so there's there's a lot of uh, fishing culture here and with that comes fish farming culture you know because a lot of fishermen on the boat are using fish as their bait and there's 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 industry here right so we were making really really high-end high yield commercial fish food and and fish food you know is unique because you're trying to suck a bunch of fat oil into a product that then floats in the water oil and water naturally separate and these fish farmers want you know maximum output for as economical input as possible you know with their food and their yield. So Corey nutrition developed this vacuum infusion process where you, you suck the fat into the, in the, the pellets or the flakes, whatever the fish food you're making is. And that way uh, it'll behave properly in the water when you're feeding it to the fish. Mm-hmm. And if you suck that fat in there and, and keep that nutrition in there, well then that fish is going to have a greater yield and you know, the greater yield, the greater your success. And Lee, the founder of the company made really, really great fish food. So there was a, um, you know, and we had dabbled. So there's an off season, right? So you're making fish food for seven months, eight months of the year. And then there's an off season and you want to keep the plant going. So we started dabbling in, in, in pet and dog food and cat food. And, you know, we were, we were having some pretty good success with it. We weren't trying to like really break the mold. We were trying to just kind of keep our engine going, you know, making economical choices of locally made dog food and cat food with, you know, fresh local ingredients. And we were doing pretty good at it. But then one day, a dog sledder came in and he was buying a ton of fish food mm-hmm. and you kind of know everyone around here within certain communities, you know, the scale of things is a little bit smaller than a lot of the, a lot of the rest of the world, mm-hmm. particularly our continent. Mm-hmm. So Lee, you know, had the audacity to just ask his customer, like, why are you buying a pallet of fish food? Like you don't have a fish farm. We know everyone who has fish farms here. Like, what are you doing with this food? And he was like, well, I feed it to my dogs, my sled dogs, because <laughs> Meat's so expensive and it's so heavy. I no dog food will give them the calories. This stuff's full of fat and I can wow. feed it to them, mix it in with their food and they get a lot more energy and they're able to perform a lot better when I need them to. So Lee goes, well, that makes sense. Shit. We can probably do better than make you fish food for your dog. We can probably make <laughs> dog food like this. Right. So the vacuum infusion process started getting incorporated into our dog food production wow. process. And that did a couple things for us. That allowed us to make a really high protein, really high fat food, but the process of vacuum infusing it um, makes it a denser food, which means gum health and and tooth health also increased Hmm. because our mill was set up to make really a whole variety of different fish pellets and flakes and things like that. The hammer mill is really, really high end. We can grind the food down to a flour. So not only did we kind of stumble into making a really protein and fat rich food, we made a really highly digestible food Hmm. through the same process. Most dog food companies start out as dog food companies, so they don't walk backwards into this vacuum infusion process. It's not really that much of a secret. Anyone could do it. You can't patent it, but you know, our competition are these huge conglomerates where they're not nimble enough to like 
start vacuum infusing everything. They don't own their factories. They're taking time out of factories and there's 20 of them across the country and you got to be consistent. So if they, one can't do it, then, or if they all can't do it, then it doesn't matter if one can. Right. Right. So, so uh, two questions. First one. So that vacuum infusion process. So explain that a little bit more. So you're not sucking, you're sucking fat into the kibble. Is that kind of what you're talking about versus sucking it out? Uh, No versus spraying it on. So most companies, they want, their food to have fat. Fat is energy. Dogs access energy first. So if particularly if you're making a performance uh, focused dog food, it's going to have a probably high fat content. So typically the way people get fat on dog food is they spray it. And with the porous nature of the kibble, a certain amount will get absorbed into that dog food. And a certain amount will just kind of stay on top of the dog food. You've had greasy dog food in your hand. Oh yeah. That's a spray on dog food. You've had a nookshook in the palm of your hand too. It's a lot drier. Yeah. That's because we're sucking the fat in and those air pockets, the the porous nature of the kibble Mm -hmm. is kind of getting changed because we're filling all those pockets up with fat. So there's a big vacuum infusion chamber. You know, you can do like a ton or more at a time. You mix it around, you dump your fat in and over a, not a very long period of time, but over a few minutes, you suck in some heat, you suck it all into the food, you cure it. And then you get this nice dense kibble that's packed full of fat, but it's not like greasy. Wow. That is fascinating. Um, and does that also go hand in hand with, so I noticed the other day I was pouring uh, a bag of a nookshook back into my food crate and I noticed there was no like dust or no crumbs in the bag. And compared to other dog food brands, there's always like that, just dust, like the food dust. Yeah. And sometimes the bottom fifth of your bag. Yeah. There was none of that. There's none of that in there. No, you pretty much get your, your last scoop is very similar to your first scoop. Yeah. There's a couple things going on there. Yeah. The density of the food is one of them. But then another thing that's going on is we have a, an air valve on our bag huh. that constantly expels um, any air in the bag as it develops. You know, heat and temperature changes can make the inside temperature of the bag change. So the amount of air in there will change, but that valve keeps expelling it. So that means that the bag is getting tighter and tighter and almost like a slow, slow motion vacuum seal, right? So less abrasion while it's in transit means that you're not going to get as much dusting and flaking, but also you're still going to get some though. And the abrasion has less of an effect on our food because it's a denser food. Um, again, because of that sucking in of the, of the, of the fat and also the freshness has a, has a big aspect to it too. Our food doesn't go to a distributor, sit in a distributor for X amount of months, then go to a big retail chain and then sit on a shelf for X amount of months. Our food typically goes from our warehouse weekly, we feed our, our warehouse in Maine where we process all of our um, bulk U.S. orders. So we're loading them up on the weekly basis. Here, we, we make runs as we need to and we backstock a little bit and keep our warehouses across Canada full. But, you know, we're, we're a lot smaller and a lot faster when it comes to turning our food over because we're not making anyone else's. Well, we, we do make other people's food, actually. But, I mean, we're not making like 30 different brands of food. We're making... Sure you know, 40 or 50 SKUs within under our core nutrition company, but we can prioritize and, and respond to things a little bit quicker. So just the, the food being fresher means it's not degrading as much either. Gotcha. Gotcha. Dude, that's awesome. Um, all right. Uh, so talk a little bit more about, I guess, your customer base. I mean, it sounds like did this all kind of start with the, the uh, sled dog teams and that. And like, so right now, like who's your, yeah. your customer base and how's it growing? Right. So we're a nookshook professional dog food and people go, what is professional mean? And what it means is we make food for dogs that are working 
for dogs that are, you know, valuable assets to many professions started with mushing teams. The, the Genesis, the aha moment was a musher coming to us with the problem. Then we quickly realized that, uh, you know, I would say canine teams, um, units and military applications were our second kind of concentric circle. If you think of it as, you know, circles going out, nucleus right in the middle, mushing next ring, canine military, next ring, uh, hunting ring after that, you know, athletic and recreationally active dogs, com- competitive dogs, large breed dogs. But, you know, so there's a lot of circles now, to be honest with you. And we have different formulas to adhere or address the different, you know, community needs, but yeah, um, mushing was at the core canine and military because these high drive dogs that are training, um, that are driving around in cars, anxious, that are having to use their nose. A big thing with our food that we found is a high fat, really easy to digest formula means the dog's body temperature is going to stay lower because it's working less hard to digest it, which means if it's a hot environment or if it's stressful environment, they're not going to be panting as much. Mm. So if they're not panting as much, it means they can use their nose more. So this was really important for police dogs where sniff detection or their nose was a valuable asset to what they're doing, but then also hunting. So our, our, our third biggest circle certainly is the hunting demographic dogs that, you know, are running their guts out, guts out up and down, you know, whatever the scenario is Mm -hmm. or, or in a kennel and then a really quick burst of energy for a couple braces, you know, and then back into the kennel, we've got, we've got food specifically formulated to make these dogs be able to really easily digest it, get all their calories in a nice dense, complete, small meal. So you don't have to worry about them not having an appetite or not eating too much Mm -hmm. and then keeping their body temperature down. So their nose can do their thing. So that was huge. Um, then we made a formula, the 2616 was developed for, for puppies and, and breeders, you know, uh, breeding programs are a huge part of our business because people want to send their dogs home and set up for success. Mm. So, you know, consistency and uh, food they can recommend, you know, as much peace of mind that they can give to the client. And then also for themselves, knowing that the client has a good quality food that they can feed their dog for its life. People care so much about the dogs that they breed has been a really big uh, aspect of our business too, over the last few years. And yeah. and now like, we're kind of of the opinion, like, you know, there's most dogs can benefit from a nook shop with between the four formulas for one reason or another. That's awesome. That's awesome. We'll definitely want to get into uh, the, the four formulas a little bit more here, but I'm um, just thinking through, you know, over the past, maybe two years, even like just talk a little bit more, I guess about your distribution model and like, have you guys faced any challenges with supply or, or shipping or anything issues like that? And also, Talk a little bit about the wholesale uh, avenue that you guys have. Sure. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we definitely have challenges. Supply chain challenges are everywhere right now. We are lucky because our supply chain is much smaller and easier to manage and easier to maintain uh, consistency than some of the other brands right now. So the big thing that's different about Anookshook as far as how to get it and how we distribute it is that we are a wholesale direct product. So we've made a commitment not to go into your, your big box stores or give local distribution rights to any one entity. Because what happens there is you get forced into a retail world where there's more markups, which means the bag of food is going to be higher. It means you lose control of who gets what. So if there's a kennel or a breeder or someone who needs a half a pallet, they have to go to a store now and the store is less inclined to give you a deal. Or if you're not at that finger quotes pro status, maybe some of the bigger companies aren't going to give you that pro deal that you think you deserve or need. So all of a sudden getting lots of food in the amounts that you need is, is a, is a big challenge and to, and to have it remain consistent if you are feeding it and not see a big change in it is also a challenge. So we sell wholesale direct. We sell pallets of dog food is really our business model. And we're trying to grow our trusted reseller chain 
kennels, breeders, locally owned stores, feed stores will sell to retail operations, just not big box that has a distributorship or a contract that's got a whole bunch of stuff we don't want to sign in it. Gotcha. So, so you would, you would do like the local small, maybe they have three or four store mom and pop feed store or like a outdoor totally. store, things like that. Yep. If we can sell direct to them, we're in. Um, and, and so, you know, we say for prices, you know, we have a wholesale price list. Anyone can buy a Nookshook at the wholesale prices. We have minimum orders. Everyone pays the same price it's across the board. doesn't matter if you're ordering 50,000 tons a year or five tons a year, everyone pays the same price. As far as markups go, we encourage everyone to, you know, kind of beat the online prices out there. Or if you see it for somewhere more expensive somewhere else and you know what you're paying for it, you know, make what you think is fair off of it. And it kind of self-regulates that way. Basically, oh, so, we say, so the, you know. Oh, so the people buying the wholesale, so they buy a pallet, they can then decide what to sell it for. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. uh, you know, maybe they're selling it to their friends and their families and their neighbors. And all they want to do is make 10 bucks a bag to make up for their time organizing it. And everyone sure. gets a great deal. No problem. Yeah. Maybe they're going to sell it for the exact same price they're buying it. And people are just getting bulk orders together, right? Yeah. Um, some people who resell it, they they have a big operation. You know, there's different overhead. They know what it sells for online or what the competitors equal brand would be in us in a retail environment. So they try to beat that price by a little bit and they, they know what the food is worth. Right. So there's a variety of scenarios, which means it's, it's not typical and it's a little maybe confusing to navigate, but it can be broken down pretty simply. Essentially, if there's a trusted Nukshuk reseller in your area, go to them first. There's a map on our website. They're listed there. They're going to have the best prices. They're going to be a person like yourself or myself who knows about the food, is invested in dogs in some capacity, whether it's training or breeding or grooming or whatever. Um, and they're just going to be a valuable community member to have and to support. Um, or if there's no reseller in your area, no problem. In Canada, buy it off our website. and the States, buy it off Chewy. Those prices are the most expensive prices because they incorporate shipping that food into their price and shipping dog food, dog food's heavy. So it costs a lot. So Chewy doesn't charge anything for shipping. So it costs a bit more, but it's there in like 72 hours and they didn't charge you shipping. So it's a pretty good deal. Sure. <laughs> Our website is kind of the same. Most of Canada is free shipping. The maximum is like 10 or $15 per bag. And that's, we're talking for like rural, rural sure. areas. So it's, it's competitive. So we can get a bag of a Nookshook to any address in North America right now, whether okay. you buy half a pallet, a full pallet, or a couple bags at a time. It's just so a matter of where. So if you're in the U.S., um, can they, if you're in the U.S., can they buy directly from a Nookshook's website? Or you would go no, our, our e-store is just for Canadian household orders. Okay. So what they can do though, is hop on our website, uh, click order here, click on the option for bulk sales. They can either fill out a form and we get that form as an email. We see all their information. You get put in a queue. We call you, see what your opening order is, get you a shipping quote off it goes, or you just call the 1-800 number and say, Hey, I'm a kennel in Illinois. I was thinking about buying a pallet of food. Didn't know what formulas we have a conversation with you. All of our prices in the U.S. are like our price lists are um, shipping and taxes included. Mm. So the only thing that we have to consider is like a uh, lift gate charge because okay. it comes on a pallet from a, a less than truckload courier, typically like a truck. So the truck, if they have to unload it with a forklift and, a, and, a, and an employee, sure. there's a charge, charge for that. Yeah. yeah. And it varies a little bit. So we always like see who's going to service your area, see what they charge, incorporate that charge onto the bill, give you the quote. If you like that and you know it's okay, then you pay us the money. Perfect. Um, hey, I have to cut us off real quick. Uh, my mm-hmm. Zoom is running out <laughs> on time. Oh, okay. So yeah, I have to start. No, no, you're good. I have to, I'm going to end this meeting, save it, and then start. An, I'll send you a new link. Okay. All right. Just give me like two minutes. No worries. All right.
here and we'll kind of just finish up talking about uh, distribution and all that good stuff. And then uh, just a few more things and we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I think what I was just kind of trying to circle around to was um, that, you know, you can get a Nookshook no matter where you're at. Um, it's either through Chewy or our website or a trusted reseller and anyone who buys it, can resell it. Um, everyone pays the same price. And if you want to know what those details are, just call us, email us, get us on Facebook. We'll, we'll get you all the information and, uh, you know, get, get you hooked up, but we really want to get it in as many dog bowls as possible because it is a really great formula. We think a lot of dogs can benefit from it. It's a huge market out there. And we know that a lot of other brands are having problems with consistency and formulation integrity because their supply chains are so huge. Yeah. So, you know, well, that was one of the things I wanted to touch on is cause you, so you're manufacturing everything in one plant, right? So you, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So, we have so one facility. Okay. So, I mean, does that really just help your quality control and, and like perfecting that product and keeping it consistent? Yeah. Well, there's a few things that that does, you know, um, more oversight, um, you're responsible for everything too. So there's more, uh, ownership of your mistakes and your successes as well, which I think is a good model for, you know, um, a locally owned family owned business, as opposed to like a publicly traded business to operate on, you know, you get more investment. Um, but then, yeah, you have a lot more oversight is the big thing. So, you know, sure. we don't have to worry about, you know, is that other factory that we're not overseeing cleaning all of the tools and all of the shoots and everything like that in between formulas, what other formulas are they making? Is there going to be more cross-contamination for other things that we should consider? You know, how do we get all that testing and that information? You lose a lot of control if you're not making it, you know, yourself. Um, and then also with our scale, you know, it's easier for us to, to keep a regular stock of our ingredients. So we don't have to have things vary or swap out or, or go too far away for our ingredients because freshness, you know, for us is a, is a big boon that we can offer that a lot of other brands can't. Um, so yeah, you Very know, cool. everywhere from scale to oversight, it's just, it, it's, you, you see it all. And the direct way that we sell with our customers and talk with our customers, you know, people are buying from us. Um, almost, you know, we, we talk to almost all of our, like, I think it's like over 3000 clients now. Um, so, you know, like we have this new formula Marine 25, that was a direct response to interacting with our audience base, you know, like we weren't planning on making that until we realized that there was a significant enough need for us to try it and see how it goes. So, and yeah. you know, it, it's been working. So we're lucky that we're, Love that. I always say, you know, we're not big, we're small and that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's until awesome, we need man. to grow, but you know, we just built a new wing on our warehouse and like, we're <laughs> looking to automate some things and like we have growth in mind and we, yeah. we want to grow, but growing sustainably, uh, growing at the pace that you can, you know, keep up your quality uh, really matters to us. Cause the, the second the formula suffers for any growth or anything, um, you know, this is a credibility world. Yeah. It really absolutely. is. Everybody talks to each other. You can't hide behind anything. You can't hide behind your dog's asshole. If it's mm. spouting out loose poops, you know, yeah. like you just, <laughs> there's, there's no getting away from it. So results are, are very clear. So, you know, it's uh we, we like the way that we're able to operate right now. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish I could make the uh, title of this episode, that quote you just said. <laughs> <laughs> you have my permission. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's so true. So true though. Um, all right. Before we get into the, the four different formulas and unpack those a little bit more, um, talk about the, the feeding less kind of mindset. And, and you guys talk a little bit about it. I know um, you guys have this new like feeding calculator on your website, which mm -hmm. I was just playing around with, which is actually pretty cool. Um, talk about that kind of like mindset. And, and was this 
was that a goal from the beginning of this food being created was, was making that high, high calorie food? Like how did that? Well, it was, it was right away a reaction to the nature of the formula. You know, 3232 has 720 kcals per cup. So if you're a sled dog and you're, you know, running a big race, that's great for a lot of reasons. But if you are, if you're not, what that means is you're going to have a lot smaller meals and still get all the calories that you need. Right. So this whole feed less um, thing. Well, first of all, a lot of our operators are kennel operators. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Dog stomachs are only so big. They can only process so much at a time. So if you can pack a smaller meal with more nutrition into their stomach and they can process and digest and absorb and use way more of that than something that's got a lot of fillers, or you need to pump twice as much into the dog to get the same amount of calories into, well, you're going to have a, again, we talk a lot of shit here at a nookshook. You're going to have a lot less mess to clean up. You're going to have to feed a lot less, which means your value per bag goes up. And if you have 20 dogs or a big kennel value matters, economics matter. So this whole feed less thing was benefits that we walked into just because of the nature of the formula. It had to be high fat and high protein and high calorie to do what it needed to do. A result of that is you don't need to feed nearly as much of it on the average. You're going to feed 20 to 30% less when switching over to a nookshook. Wow. And there's, yeah, like I said, whether it's, it's poop or the wallet or performance or the dog's digestion ease, there's a whole lot of reasons why that's a, a great benefit to have. That, that, that's a huge number. That's a, I mean, a huge yeah. And you, you know, it's going to vary. There's a lot of dog foods out there. So, um, you know, what you can do is just like, we put the calories and the feeding guidelines on our website, on the back of each bag, compare it to any formula and just yeah. see like, you know what I mean? Like maybe it'll be 15% and there's a really good food, but is that food? 90% digestible, yeah. you know, like there's, there's other factors involved. So like um, when it comes to an energy game, and especially with the hunting crowd and, and to bring things, I mean, I've been talking for an hour now about dog food and I'm not sure how much your hunting audience is interested, but to make them interested, um, <laughs> you know, this means that a dog is going to be, you know, on the hunt with its nose and top gear, with its body temperature down with a belly full of food, um, you know, and not going to have to shit in the kennel or, or five times in the woods. Like these are all things that are going to add to the enjoyment of your day and their day. And when you start to see that in two, three, four or five, 10 dogs over, it's just, yeah. it's just awesome. I like that you said the the economic impact as well, because if as much as people don't want to admit it, like, you know, people have families and, and dogs take care of and all this stuff and like price and value matter too. It and always so matters. Having it's a, always having top a, of people's. Exactly. And so I think that concept, I think it can get overlooked sometimes people, Again, other side of the spectrum, some people go, oh, I'll just buy the most expensive dog food because that's probably what's best. And they go that route. But no, like, let's get the best bang for our bucks, stretch that bag as much as we can. And, you know, sometimes our prices hurt us because they're counterintuitive. People see that it's a lower price compared to the competition, maybe in a retail environment. And they go, well, that can't be as good if they're charging 30 exactly. bucks less. It's like, no, you're buying it right from us. We don't have to mark it up several times. And there's not as many people that need to make a buck off of it. And then you add the value fact that you're at, that you're going to feed less of it and have your, like my 80 pound dog goes through a 33 pound bag of food in five weeks, hmm. you know, and it sells for a Canadian retail price of about 55, 60 bucks. It's, that's yeah. a pretty good value. Yeah. Um, a little bit less in the States kind of thing. So that story, you know, every, everyone cares about value. And if you're a kennel operator and you have lots of dogs and it's probably a passion project, it's not the only thing that you have to put time and energy and money into, it's a real boon. So that we've had a lot of success with, with the kennel and the wholesale program for that reason. Cause awesome. obviously the more you buy, the more you save kind of thing. So, you know, when you go down the line to a single bag purchase, 
maybe the value and the savings and the differences aren't as great a number on a spreadsheet compared to someone who's got 20 dogs to feed. But no matter how you cut it out, it's, it's, a, it's a great value. And that wholesale direct thing is what allows us to keep offering that value. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, we'll raise the price before we'll ever change the formula. We've had a couple of price increases in, in, in the past. It's a reality. Gas sure. is more expensive. Ingredients are more expensive. Labor is more expensive. Sure. The food is going to maybe get a little bit more expensive, but the formula is not going to change. And, you know, we'll, we'll tell you that we're changing it and we're going <laughs> to say, sorry, but most people say, well, thanks for not changing it. So yeah. just so people know, you know, we don't know what the future looks like, but sustainability and formulation integrity are the things that we're worried about. So hopefully you'll be able to stick with us through it and we'll, in prices will go down. I don't know if gas prices will ever go down. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Um, I just want to touch on that, that feeding calculator too on the website. That's a pretty cool tool. If people do want to compare or just kind of get a, a gauge of, Hey, what they could feed and how many calories they're getting per cup. That was a really cool. Uh, really yeah. Cool just thing. plug in the weight of your dog um, and the formula that you want to feed them. And, and then it'll tell you how long a bag should last on average. And in Canada, there's a subscription service with a bunch of options in the States. Uh, I think Chewy might have a, or dog food direct in some places might have like a re-up option, but you know, at least it'll let you know how long a bag is going to last you. So you can work it out dollar wise, what you're paying per pound or yeah, per cup abs- or whatever. Absolutely. Um, all right. We've been dancing around the four different formulas a little bit. Uh, let's talk about those and like who are each of these formulas in your mind kind of generally for, and uh, let's unpack those a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. This is a question that comes up a lot. You know, when people find, find out about us, that's the first kind of thing they want to know is, well, which one's right for my dog. So in a nutshell, we have four formulas. We'll start at the top, our rocket fuel, our 3232. This is a food for your high drive dog. Uh, for your working dog, for your high output dog, for your hard keepers, uh, your dogs that live outside and work outside all day, maybe in cold environments. Uh, it's, it's on the extreme side of things. Most recreational household pets won't need 3232, but for those that do, it works well. It puts pounds on, it's still highly digestible and it's a great formula. So like Malinois, working line, German shepherds, mushing dogs of all nature, um, hard keeping hunting dogs, um, large breed dogs that can't keep weight on 32, 32 is great. Picky eaters that just won't eat a lot. Like maybe you got a weirdo border collie that just doesn't <laughs> care about food. Well, 32, 32 at 720 calories per cup, you get more in them for less feeding. So, you know, oh, there's a few scenarios. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 3025 is your, your recreationally active dog. So like my dog ACE is a good example. He was uh, a sled dog. He raced on the weekends recreationally, uh, you know, races were about an hour, two hours, but that would include a lot of hiking and running and training in his daily life. So the 3025 was a great formula for him. Uh, Larger breed dogs. Again, you don't have to feed six cups, keep your Bernice or your Irish Wolfhound fed. You can feed them two or three cups of a nookshuk and it's enough. Um, border collies, German shepherds, anyone doing Caney cross or Schutzen or IGP hunting. Um, 3025 is your active dog with a pretty wide range of who's going to benefit from it. It's an all life stage formula as well. Some people will feed 3025 out of the gates, which is safe, but because our food is so dense, you really need to follow the feeding guidelines. If you're feeding puppies, Mm -hmm. it, we don't want puppies to get too much calcium in the early stages of life. Um, or you don't want loose stools or having their body to do more work than it needs to, you know, they're before their bones are fully formed, they're not supposed to exercise to any intensity really. So, you know, they probably don't need everything that 3025 provides unless they're large breed or can't keep weight on or a picky eater, or there's another extenuating circumstance, or you just know how to feed it properly. Okay. 2616 is for whelping mothers um, and most puppies up until about a year. 
If it's a high drive or large breed dog, we say, you know, maybe 26, 16 for the first three, four, five months. And then at six, seven months, they can switch over to 30, 25 once their bones are done growing. Okay. But, you know, um, smaller hunting dogs like Brittany's do great on 26, 16, their whole life during hunting season. You'll just feed them a little bit more during the off season. You'll taper it off a little bit. Um, you know, terriers, uh, boxers, uh, bulldogs, you know, so many dogs can benefit. So it's, it's more high fat and more high protein than almost all the competition on the market. That's not a performance dog food, you know, so it might be seemingly a little rich to some people, but because it's an AFCO approved all life stage formula with a feeding guideline, you can just feed that dog, that natural weight. And it's not like we're putting like tons of caffeine or stimulants in this food. We don't mean energetic that way. We just mean sure. nutrition, you know, like when you're hungry and you're bonking out on a run or a hike and you get something in you, your energy comes back yeah. up. Yeah, it's yeah. food, not necessarily because it's like, you know, a coffee. Um, so sometimes people are like, I don't really have a high energy dog. Should I feed them this food? Yeah. yeah. Just feed them 26, 16 to what their weight's supposed to be. And if they're putting on a few pounds, just scale it back a bit, but that's not like you're going to be jumping off the walls and your lazy bulldogs all of a sudden going to be on your roof or anything like that. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so, and real quick, uh, before we move on to the last one, so 26, 16, you said uh, whelping mothers and puppies could both be on that, right? Yeah. So there's a few things in the 26, 16 that we've um, designed in mind with this scenario. So calcium levels, when the bones are growing, you don't actually want to give them too much calcium because mm -hmm. if their bones grow at a larger rate than they're supposed to, it can lead to joint issues or uh, dysplasia issues down the line. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, the, the milk that they get from their mother is going to have certain things in it that you want to accommodate for. And our vitamin pack is scaled down a little bit with the assumption that a lot of younger dogs are going to be on this who don't need a vitamin pack that a fully grown active dog needs. Mm -hmm. So we've tweaked that formula to be a little less lower octane kind of thing. Okay. And, and the vitamin pack and the calcium levels specifically with lower protein, you get lower calcium, which is safer for dogs that have been, you know, just, off their mother's teat or young kind of thing and still growing. Okay. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Cause I'll, I have win here. I won't breed her for another couple of years, but curious on, on that for, for her as well. So yeah. And even That's high good. drive dogs that are pregnant do great on 26, 16. You might just have to feed them a little bit more, but it's, it's a great formula for that. And there's some uh, literature and information on the back of the bag that addresses that as well. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And then the last formula is your newest one, right? You just came out with this pretty recently. Marine 25. Yeah. We launched in, um, November, 2021. So, okay. you know, we're about, I guess, six months almost away from launching it now. Okay. Uh, barriers of entry. You know, we realized that between our three formulas, a lot of people could benefit from a nookshook, but there was a couple conversations that kept popping up. My dog is allergic to chicken or sensitive to chicken. Mm. My dog is allergic to corn or sensitive to corn or wheat. In, in kind of that order, as far as ascending frequency goes, chicken was the big thing. Hmm. Um, chicken is an affordable protein. So it ends up in some pretty affordable uh, dog foods and affordable is a big euphemism right here. Uh, some, some pretty cheap dog foods. So instead of the sum of all those parts getting blamed, like, you know, that's a crappy formula for these reasons, you go to the first ingredient, it's there in the most, it must be the biggest offender. So chicken must be the problem. Hmm. Chicken is a really accessible and easily to digest protein for most dogs. Now you can get chicken nuggets and you can get whole grain grass fed, you know, organic boutique there's, chicken. There's, there's, a, a, there's, there's a variety a difference. of there's chicken. Be a difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. So keep that in mind. And then also if this is going to be an Econo brand, that's, they're probably not going to get them top shelf chicken either. Right. So in the dog food world, chicken has this reputation that in our opinion is a little bit worse than it deserves. Hmm. Um, Cause we've had a lot of dogs that have switched over from one formula to our formulas 
with the person saying my dog's sensitive to chicken and they won't do well in this. And we say, just trust us and try it. Hmm. And we watch problems disappear because of the high amounts of herring oil and herring meal in the food uh, and the chicken fat are, we have great omega three, six and nine profiles. So skin coat problems disappear, right? Um, Not all the time, you know, some dogs have other problems, but a lot of the time, but it takes a lot of energy to, uh, to explain that to everybody or to gain that trust with everybody and, and time is money. And then there are those dogs that are allergic or sensitive to chicken or corn or wheat or soy. So we said, okay, we're probably at the point now where we can make a formula that just swaps out those ingredients for other ingredients. We don't compromise performance. We don't compromise quality and we don't have to, you know, uh, require so much trust of them up front, they can just try this product and let it work well for them. And they've got that peace of mind. Um, and you know, for dogs with really dry skin or, or joint issues, the extra amount of fish oil, because of the three fish protein source in the Marine 25 white fish, salmon, and herring, it really is like a, a kick-ass awesome formula for <laughs> like, I was solving gonna, those problems. Yeah. I was going to ask what, what kind of fish you're using. Wow. That's yeah. So the herring, we got the Bay of Fundy right in our backyard, big old body of water, world's highest tides. It's crazy. Go to New Brunswick, everybody. It's beautiful. And I am from Canada and didn't even know how beautiful it was for oh. the first 25 years of my life. <laughs> but anyways, uh, tons of fishing out of the Bay of Fundy. So our herring is wild caught and our, and our white fish is wild caught. There is no salmon for commercial use available on the East coast anymore. All of our rivers are drying up from salmon. So we have a sustainably farmed salmon source from the Maritimes as well. Other, your other option to get salmon in your food is going from the West coast, which means I have to go fishing in Vancouver and then have it come across the country just to get into my fish food. Gotcha. For us, it makes more sense to just get that sustainably sourced uh, salmon. Sure. Uh, so that's what the Marines made out of. I put ACE on it. Who's usually eats 3025. And I put him on Marine 25 for a couple months as we were getting ready to launch it. And he already had an amazing coat, but it was like this dog was waking up and taking conditioner baths every day. Like <laughs> it was so soft and shiny. Like it, he, he looked greasy almost. Like it was, it was, it was quite the difference. Wow. Um, so it, it's a great formula. It's selling really, really, really well. I encourage people usually when I'm talking about it, say, you know, try 3025 first. And if the problems that you're talking about don't evaporate, or you know that you have a confirmed allergy, yeah. then this food is here for you. But maybe you're, they're going to do great on the 3025 because yeah. it was it was enough for a lot of people before we had that no chicken, no corn option kind of thing. Sure. And, and just to confirm, there's no corn in the Marine 25, right? That's correct. Okay. No corn. There's okay. no corn, wheat, or, well, none of our products have soy, but we said no soy on that as well, because those are kind of the four big offenders that people are sometimes looking for the absence yeah. of. Okay. Now, just real quick to talk about corn um, and, and chicken, you know, they, they have bad reputations, um, but, you know, whole grain corn when processed properly um, is really digestible for dogs. When it's used to back up a protein source, it's not good. When it's used as a carbohydrate or an energy source, the way that we use it, you know, it can be really good. Um, we have some articles on our website, on our blog about this that address that, but, uh, you know, corn is on that controversial list. And again, it's, there's a little bit more depth and context than that statement really kind of, you know, totally. you know, I, I, that's a couple of people have reached out to me and just, they're looking into it and they're like, Oh, it's got corn in it. And I was like, but what do you have against corn? And again, I don't know enough about it. Corn, even myself, but I know some people have strong opinions or feelings about it real quick. I'll tell you why people don't like corn. So some, we say that we, we use chicken meal and some people think meal is a bad word. They think meal is less than or bad quality Mm. meal just means it's been cooked and all Mm. the moisture has been removed out of it. And now we have an ingredient to incorporate into our recipe that is measurable and much more accurate for the amount of protein it's going to deliver. Right. Mm. So some companies will say like 50% chicken meat, they're going to cook that meat. It's going to be about 80% moisture. So you're not left with 50% of that formula being chicken meat. You're left with like, you know, 
a fraction of what that 50% hmm. was, okay. but you still have a protein claim to, to uphold X amount of protein in your formula. So what people do then is they'll use corn to back up and fortify their chicken meat. If they had used chicken meal and said 50% chicken meal, we wouldn't need to put corn as a second ingredient and back it up and fortify it because you've got so much protein in there already. Right? So when corn is used to substitute and, or, or back up a protein claim, um, because they're, they, they don't want to use the word meal on their marketing because meal has a bad connotation. If corn is a second ingredient in that nature, it's, it's probably not a great formula gotcha. or it's not a great formula for a lot of the scenarios and customers who are purchasing our program or our food, sorry. Um, <laughs> when you knock it down the ingredient list and you're putting it in much smaller amounts to be used as a carbohydrate energy fat source initially as a dog's engine is revving up and then they use their chicken and their herring and their protein for muscle maintenance and endurance in the long run, um, then corn's no problem. And we use whole grain corn, not corn syrup or like a corn syrup equivalent. Big difference there. Gotcha. Um, whole grain ground corn. So it's, it's, Dogs do well so you're it. getting the whole grain and in your factory, you're grinding it down to that. Okay. Correct. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, talk about the transitioning dogs from one of your formulas to another so with it within the Inukshuk line. Um, again, my own personal plan is like hunting season or like, let's say from September to at the end of trial season, like March, I'll, I'll have them on 30, 25, and then kind of that summertime, move them to the 26, 16. How easily can you transition dogs f- formula? Like, is there a long time that we have to overlap? No, or? no. Um, very interchangeable ingredient decks, uh, very similar makeups. It's just a protein and fat mainly that vary. So uh, you can, we, some people like, is it better to mix? You can mix, but then you got to do more math. Cause like, mm-hmm. it's all based off of calories per day and a feeding recommendation. So, you know, 3025 and 2616, a cup weighs different and a cup contains different amount of calories. So to mix them again, more math. Yeah. Um, so we just recommend either bumping them up, up to a formula so you can feed less and you don't have to feed too, too much. Like say you're on the upper threshold of 2616 in the off season. You don't want to feed much more than that because again, the dog can only process so much. So mm-hmm. bumping them up to 3025 is great. A uh, nice, small, compact meal. They still get everything they need. And you just go off the feeding guideline on the back of the bag for the dog's weight. You don't even have to like do it over a course of X amount of days, just do it. And the dog will be fine. Um, some dogs have sensitive stomachs. And if that's the case, you know, feel free to like maybe incorporate a quarter or a third of the higher formula each day. And over the course of three or four days, you can transition, but I don't, most people who have lots of dogs who are in the scenario that you described, it's go time. It's, it's hunting season. They just switch them over for those X amount of months. And then they switch them back. That's awesome. So, Ingredient decks are, are, are meant, are meant to kind of be toggled and and slid around kind of thing. Okay. That's great. That's great. Well, cool, Brian, dude, this has been so much fun. It's been very, uh, I don't know, informative for me as well. Just learning more about uh, Nookshook and your product and a little bit more about the company as a whole. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, man. I I appreciate the questions and the opportunity and I I hope your, your audience gets something out of, out of it. And uh, we know it's a, it's kind of a confusing world, the dog food world, you know, it's, it's a younger market compared to others. Uh, there's less research out there that's been vetted and peer reviewed. And there's a lot of claims and there's a whole lot of marketing nonsense. You know, I'm a marketer. I know we're not the best. <laughs> uh, so we really appreciate these opportunities to come on and just, you know, we try to be as transparent as possible. We try to lay it all on the table, let the food do the talking. And uh, whenever we're given the, the, these kind of opportunities, it usually is, is great for us. So I appreciate the time in.
Absolutely. And you guys, uh, you guys have a podcast of your own, don't you? Uh, that's been going still. Yeah. Yeah. We just released episode, uh, 11 today of the Anuksha pro podcast. So this was kind of just a, a way for us to kind of create some meaningful engagement. We love our clients so much. So many of them have so many cool stories and cool operations and, and amazing day-to-day lives. Like the last person I was speaking with Lee Bianco, she's a retired stunt woman who does Schutzen and IGP, uh, you know, protection competitions with German shepherds and Dutch shepherds and Malinois and, you know, awesome story, whole cool sport. I never knew about before working here. Um, you know, so we had her on the podcast. We'll talk to, um, diabetic alert dog trainers or a lot of hunting trainers, um, you know, dog psychologists, uh, retired police officers. So it's all about working dogs and trying to showcase all the different things and all the different jobs and roles that dogs have in our society and the people who spend their time, you know, getting to understand them, train them and, and help grow their, their ability to make the world a better place. Maybe more dogs, the better, right? Yeah, more working dogs, the better. I would be much happier if a dog picked me up in a cab or, you know, took my airport ticket. <laughs> Life would just <laughs> be better. Exactly. 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 So yeah, it's the Anuk Shook Pro podcast. It's on like Apple podcasts and Spotify and most of the places you can find podcasts or our website. Um, it's got its own website. It's very easy to find. Fantastic. And then uh, yeah. Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Anuk Shook Pro. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, we're not that involved in the Twitter world. Um, but we do tweet every now and again, you can find us just, just search in dog food or professional dog food in any of the formats, but we're pretty active in Facebook and, and Instagram for sure. Do, uh, do people still use Twitter? <laughs> yeah, they do, man. Do but, they? Oh man. I gave that up a while. I don't well, know I'm not using it. Up, but... People are on it. I mean, on using it, yeah. it implies that they're accomplishing something. So, you know, there's an <laughs> argument to be had there. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, cool, man. Uh, this has been so much fun. Thank you again for your time and, and knowledge and just sharing uh, more about Nookshook. I really appreciate it. So, um, yeah, my great. pleasure, man. All, all, all the best to you and yours and your little hockey team there, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Keep your stick sure. on the ice and all that good stuff. <laughs> for sure, man. For sure. Congrats on the little one and, uh, try to get some sleep. All right. Thanks. Well, I appreciate it, man. Take care. See ya. That's a wrap of episode 37. Thank you so much to Brian. Really, really appreciate uh, your insight, conversation uh, around dog food and what you got, guys got going on over at Corey Nutrition and Nook Shook Professional Dog Food. Really appreciate your support. Hey, guys, uh, don't forget, rate and review on Apple Podcasts uh, or Spotify, please. Uh, hey, got some great episodes here coming out in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribing to the show. Uh, make sure you're getting all the latest episodes coming your way. Hey, guys, uh, don't forget, if you are not lucky enough to hunt with or own a Brittany, any bird dog is better than no bird dog. Go put some miles on those boots and have fun.